Swimsy? Yeah, please. Yeah, it's like, it's like, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's basically, it's simple. nice. And it's got no caffeine in it, it's, there's the flowers and stuff like this. No mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> no mushrooms. Um, plant medicine, yeah. you were saying. <laughs> um, yeah, I went, I did, never did plant medicine, and went and did five medicines. Mm. Uh, I did the THC Santa Maria Isle on the fourth night. The next day we did the Cambo, and I did straight with the Cambo, I did Sinanyang. Mm. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> it's the most painful experience of my life, and I've had a baby. It was horrifically beautiful in the same time because I found my medicine. P painful emotionally or physically? Physically, it's like... Getting sick and... No, no, no. The Campbell makes you get sick. The Sinanyang is an oil that goes into your eyes mm -hmm. and it feels like someone's poured petrol in your eyes and set it on fire. Like, I can't... I can't... You Like, I can't even explain the, the severity of the pain. Like... You it, put the medicine in your eye? You put it in your eye. You lie down. He puts a drop on each corner of each eye. And when he says, open your eyes, you open your eye and then the shit hits the fan. Like it's, you just, it, it, you can literally feel a flame of fire rushing through your eyes, through your face. And I was screaming, I was punching the wall. I was like, what the fuck is this? What mm. the fuck are you people doing to me? Get the <laughs> fuck away from me. And he's like, it brings you into that fight or flight. And you panic, you like, you panic like you never, because you think you're going to die. This is like, this is how bad it is. And then something just took over. Something was like, Jen, you have this. Do what he's after telling you to do. Breathe through it. And the minute, the minute I, can, I came down from my head, the minute I, I stopped panicking and I, and I spoke to myself and brought myself back down, the pain completely went, like in seconds was gone. And I felt this rush of energy from my mind right down into my car. It's the most grounding medicine I've ever experienced and yeah. I felt euphoric I was like this is the best thing that's ever <laughs> happened and people were lying on the floor like grown men were punching the walls they were screaming because they couldn't come out of it and they were like what's she talking about this is fucking horrible and I was like just breathe I was like there's one fella beside me and his face god love him he was suffering his face was red and I was like breathe when you because you you open your eyes for a second and it hits you and then you squeeze them tight but the more you squeeze it tight the, you're prolonging it so the the battle is to keep blinking keep blinking even when it mm. feels like someone is like like has a fire pouring it into your eyes that's uh, i know probably, probably and what it. difference did the, did the breathing make so you're saying you were, had the medicine in your yeah. eyes medicine was in my eyes the other of course i was holding my head i was punching the, <laughs> the floor i was like panicking so and the other people were panicking too. But Everybody. then you, you made it through because you I were made it through within two or three minutes. Yeah, it was very quick. Some people were fifteen minutes still like in it. what happened was I remember he's he had said to me, You can get yourself out of this, like this is mind over matter now. You have like use your breath, Jen, use it. And it was mad because I, I I'm doing the sea swim in a while, like mm. a few years now, and I'm, I'm a, and I love the cold, and I and I know now why I ha I've I found the sea, because that initial shock, like shit, this is cold, and you have to breathe through it, and that's what I did, lying on that floor, mm. and within thirty seconds, the pain was completely gone, and I was ecstatic. And one of the lads on the retreat, he didn't do it, he bottled it. And he says the biggest regret of the weekend 
when you only go around the circle at the end, he said the biggest regret was not doing the Sinanyang. He said, because I bounced out of that room like a new person. Because on the Friday, I couldn't speak to anyone. I get very socially awkward and I get afraid and I get and I get protective and I can't speak. And on the Saturday, I was like, da, 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 da. I was running around the house. I was talking to everyone. And he's <laughs> like, you're a new person. Really? Yeah. yeah, he said, he just said there's something, something shifted in you. That doesn't sound like the typical retreat that people like where they get their nails done, the hair done oh, no, and, no, and Jay, facials. No. So what brought you to want to do that? Plant medicine? Yeah, that we- that weekend specifically. For the last couple of years, uh, I've seen people like the, the mushrooms and stuff uh, has, has kind of kept coming in. And I was always very resistant to go near any drug because of my past. Uh, I would have taken a lot of drugs. In, uh, all through all through my past and the thoughts of the come down I was like oh, I ain't never experiencing that again like I I associated the plant medicine come down and the fear and how bad my mental health gets when I'm coming down off drugs I didn't know that it was going to be different and I wasn't going to take any chance because my mind's very delicate so there's no fucking way I was going back and put myself through that and then just started to educate people I knew listening to people and, and I'm very of the fact that if I'm going to do something, I need to know ins and outs of it. Like, I had never did a yoga class, and yet I'm on yoga teacher training. <laughs> I never went to a yoga class, hadn't, <laughs> hadn't a clue. So to get with the plant medicine, I was like, no, I'm not doing it, not doing it, not doing it. But it kept coming back to me. It just kept, when something is ready in your life, the universe will keep bringing it to you. And it kept coming back. And then my friend went in December, and she told me all about it. And when I heard her experience, I said, right, I have done so much work on myself. I'm ready to see what else is next on my journey. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the medicine is not a recreational drug that you go on the sesh for a few days. Mm -hmm. I know that it's it's an asset. It's, it's a tool that we have that will bring us along on our journey. And that's where my mindset shifted because I wouldn't go into something if I had doubts because I know it wouldn't be good. Because you're, you're, because that doesn't, that sounds very, very intense. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, especially the medicine in the eyes. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. What's that called again? Sinanyang. 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 Where's yeah. that? Do you know where it's from? It's it, the root of a tree from the Brazilian jungle. Okay. So if you're going through the jungle with the Brazilian shamans, they will just root and chop it into your eye and <laughs> yeah. off you go. I do think, though, you mentioned about when you're younger and going out and drinking or not drinking sorry doing drugs and the come down is terrible yeah. but i do think there's a lot to be said for experiencing ecstasy or um a- anything that brings you up and connects you with people as long as it is done in a w- as responsible a way as possible yeah. so i feel like any drug that you're taking uh if you're taking it for the right reasons it can be yeah. good a-, a good thing but if you were taking it to escape something and you don't want to go back to that normality then it can be bad because you're just going to stay with with the drugs then i actually i feel like i kind of miss that in my life now because i've got a kid and i'm kind of responsible (laughs) and i I miss uh going out and going to a nightclub or going to Mm -hmm. ibiza and just um basically getting off your head and chatting to random people about random things uh the only that that that's the, what I kind of like liked about yoga is that 
I, I tried the gym thing. I do still love the gym environment and work hard and pain, no gain. I like that element of kind of pushing yourself. But I also like, what I don't like is the value that it's so put on aesthetics. Whereas yoga, um, what I like about it is it's not about looking a certain way or mm. an outcome necessarily. I know it kind of can go that way sometimes. But I met so many weird people in the yoga environment. I thought, this is like being in a nightclub <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah, Ibiza yeah. <laughs> without, without, you know, the drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what Because what, uh, I first met you, you come to my class. Mm. And um, I remember one... I don't you know gave out to me one day. I wore my shoes one in one day. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my you head, was, was, all, my head was all... You didn't give out to me. My head was all over the place. And I, I was running, I was running, I was running. And I ran in and you were like, take off your shoes. I was like, shit. Well, how, was I a bit of a dick when I said no, that? No, no, you were, no. You, look, I, I had to learn respect for the, the floor and respect for the room and you are, that was, and, and I'm, that's, that's the way it is. And sometimes yeah. I need direction and I got direction that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a whole etiquette you don't yeah, think about. Yeah, no, no one told me. No, it's so true. Um, so when when I remember one time specifically you did my class I don't know how many did but I remember you came up to me afterwards and you asked me something and um, I want to be completely honest with you and I'm I'm kind of ashamed to say this no no I'm ashamed to say this right (laughs) I was surprised by your accent because in yoga I feel like yoga is quite an elitist um, pastime you know and a lot of people that do it uh, are th- kind of um uh from a certain background yeah you can yeah. say like middle class and, and and but and and i feel like that's me uh, judging people and i and i do i do judge i think we all judge because yeah. when you meet someone like when i when you came to class i was like oh he's just a lady whatever and you came up to me and you had that strong double accent it's like do you know keith fox yeah do you know keith yeah, I think so. Yeah, oh, yeah. Keith, I know Keith, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know Keith well. He was yeah, our first yeah, guest yeah. on this podcast, but yeah. I'm a, a big, big fan of yeah. Keith. Yeah, Keith's amazing. Same, same way, yeah. the, the Buddhist right. philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love that, though, because um, it it, uh, it it kind of uh, opened my eyes to be like, Kev, you need to be less judgmental. And yeah. just like, um, and it made me reflect on like what I think of yoga. I thought like... Um, Yoga is, it should be for everybody, uh, for male, female, any, like, whatever your background is. Um, So what what do you make of that, my judgment there? Perfect, 10 out of 10. You hit the nail on the head. (laughs) And I think that's why I've been on a bit of a crusade the last few years. Yeah. Is to just make this accessible to everyone. And to break down that stigma. Like, I struggled for the first year. I've been in counselling over being a yoga teacher. I spent eight months in counselling. Um, Jesus, it was horrific. Uh, I did, was it a good eight, nine months? Uh, Maureen, amazing woman. Exactly what you said. I come from a background of disadvantage, background uh, of judgments, of shame, of criminality of gangland everyone i know is up to something i was always up to something and i carry that society judgment of what people think of me i carry that and then i'm like shit i'm gonna try and teach a class and then i'm gonna open me mouth and they're gonna hear me and i course all the time and fuck i'm gonna make a mess of this and i had to go to counseling for a long time to to walk past because they that was a core belief of mine 
but that wasn't the right one for me. That wasn't what was aligned to where my journey was taking me. So I had to, I had to go and and sit in that, in that pain. I had to go back and and first acknowledge, like I don't feel good enough to be a yoga teacher. I don't feel good enough that I'm go- I fit in. Like that's not very. It's not easy to say. It's very hard to say. Uh, say it out loud to another person. Like I don't feel good enough to be in a room with all these people and then to have to walk through that and then to have to change that rhetoric that you're telling yourself because mm. it's not true and and to cry and say like but I believe it mm-hmm. so it has to be true because it's right down in me core in, in me gut like and then constantly having to show up and face that and walk into a room with 20 30 people and feel like every time I walk in everyone stares at me like oh here we go here she is look at her she's wearing night runners mm. you know what I mean she's calm and she has spray tan on I love me bit of tan <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> I love a good tan and I, I, I just wasn't the norm I, wa- <laughs> so funny. I love that um it's funny though that that these things we pick up we we say it's big thing in yoga what i think it's often said is like don't judge never yeah. judge that's nonsense yeah. every single Everybody person judges. judge you have to when you're when you're crossing the road i make a judgment do i turn left or turn right or look left look right yeah but what you shouldn't do is condemn once you've made the judgment is to condemn someone especially if you don't know them but i've noticed these patterns in my my mind as well that uh, i remember yeah like you said about nike uh, one of my favorite yoga teachers uh, her name's actually maureen as well but she um she wore a Nike tracksuit once once to class. And I remember thinking, oh, that's, that doesn't seem to go with the yoga philosophy yeah. because it should be like sustainable and you know, yeah. she should be a vegan and she, oh, she <laughs> all this stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. And I remember I was, I was that dickhead that used to um, put on the Instagram bio, uh, <laughs> vegan. You know, I'd like advertise that I was a vegan. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's a bit like I know you do CrossFit, but it's a bit like when you meet someone. It's like, how do you know if someone does CrossFit? It's because they tell you straight away. Same with vegans. It's like if you're vegan, they like I'm a vegan straight away. Well, I give you a laugh about the vegan. (laughs) I was on yoga teacher training. Um, I was training with Josh Summers doing the in training, and uh, I do CrossFit obviously. So Mm. I'm all about right. I have to eat me protein because I know I'm going to (laughs) train. And I'm sitting in the class and I have me turkey burgers and me chicken breasts, you know. And if you're vegan, you will tell people. And, like, they would say to me in the class, like, oh, I'm vegan and such and such is vegan and we're vegan. And I'm like, well, I'm not. And I'm sitting here with me turkey burgers <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not judging anyone. But, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? And that's where I was, like, started to see the difference. Mm. You know, I kind of, oh, shit, I stand out here like a fucking sore tom in this, in this crowd. It's a tough crowd. <laughs> yeah, it is, because no, I think human nature, we want to feel like we fit in and we belong, as you mentioned earlier. Mm. And to you don't want to anyone to ostracize you and make you feel like an outcast. Um, but at the same time, trying to always fit in is like walking on eggshells mm. where you're thinking, I want to say the right thing all the time. And I want it because I want to be in the group. Yeah. And whatever the new ideology is with the group, or whether it's like a political movement or the it's like di- the cancel culture has everybody on the edge. <laughs> the cancel like. culture. Yeah, um, the cancel culture. Um, so if hmm, the cancel culture, you see the the counter arguments of the cancel culture mm. is someone could say, "Well, you're made. We're just making you be accountable for something you say or do, mm. right?" 
Um, but I don't think, I think it, I think the cancel culture exists, but I don't think you can be canceled. Yeah. I think it's impossible to be canceled because everyone has an internet connection. And if you have a phone, you have the means to broadcast. Um, so I think it's actually it's the fear, more it's the so, fear. isn't it? Yeah, it, it's the fear. Yeah, it. it's the fear. It's it, the fear, and also it. the shaming that yeah. to be shamed is uh, no one likes that. But occasionally, sometimes, if you are shamed, maybe it can make you reflect. Uh, Definitely, uh, yeah. Yeah, because we can all be shamed mm. about something, whether it's uh, eating turkey burgers yeah. or <laughs> wearing Nike or, or whatever. Um, we can all be shamed. Uh, but it's how we handle it. Yeah. And I think that um, this is why like social media can be so brutal because you feel there's no, um, there's very little empathy. People can like shame, shame mm. you online. But it seems, it seems like to me, you get a lot of love online. Yeah, I've been, I've been, <laughs> I've been quite lucky. Uh, not, but yeah, I have only had one or two little kind of, Little kind of comments here or there. One, tw- two people, because it, that's how that's how little or less. But so much love, like so much love, mm. like so much support, and um, the loyalty that of of people who are on my page, the loyalty of people who come to me classes is just it's overwhelming. Like I, I did the meditation and the reading this morning, mm. and yeah. I was crying at the end of it. Like, I know, I seen. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? It just, uh, I do just feel so blessed and. It's it's the magic, mm. isn't it? And that's what I want to get across to anyone. Like, this is accessible for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to suffer uh, alone. That's the thing I'd be trying to say. And the, and I think why my page is is kind of it is doing really well at the minute. It's okay to say that. Um, I never take credit. It's not me, if that makes sense. Like, there's no I. I'm not. I'm not doing this. This is us as a collective. We are creating this. Mm-hmm. And I drill that into everybody. Like, they don't put me on a pedestal. I will fuck up. Like, I will let you down. I'm human. Don't put me on a pedestal. Yeah, I might be the one who is guiding all of this. But unless you turn up for me, we can't engage in this. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very... I, I, I don't know I don't know what the word for how I say it but I, I I'm adamant that that's my message yeah it, like I'm not God yeah you know, <laughs> I'm not God I'm not uh, <clears throat> the effect that other people have uh, should never be understated because I have a platform and it's a membership platform and I've got a lot of members um, and every single day I check to see if anyone's cancelled their membership. Yeah. And I'm like, one day they're just going to realise this is shit or like, there's better things out <laughs> yeah. there. Why am I spending my money with this guy? Uh, every single day. That, that's like, it never go, it never goes away. And you have that thing where you, you constantly asking yourself, what, what, what makes someone to come to my class if mm. it's online for me instead of any, they can go to any, like anywhere yeah. in the world now because we do all doing it online. But I think if you didn't have that, you'd be a narcissist. You just think you're the bee's knees. Yeah. So maybe that's keeps is a way of keeping yourself in check. Um, this is commonly, as you've probably heard this expression, imposter syndrome. Yeah. Right. W- what's your experience like with that? Because you, you do seem very, very confident. Uh, with the imposter syndrome, oh God. It's hard. It's hard, one, Kevin, isn't it? It's very hard. Like it's brought me to my knees. 
like when I was saying just beforehand when you know Pat Dibley I I love Pat he's my pal and he's, he's so encouraging but when I went on his podcast I was in the middle of a really bad bout of PTSD and it was it's something that I haven't experienced for a long time I would have experienced a lot of violence in my life and when the lockdowns hit and we we weren't unsure what the hell is happening in the world I just went into we all have that fight or flight but I freeze I go into fight flight or I go into freeze Mm. and even if I was to say to you like Kevin passes that like I'm looking at a cup and I'm like I know the word and will you pass that thing to me and I the, my mind was gone blank and I couldn't have I couldn't uh, string a sentence so if you'd asked me to do this with you last year I'd have had to say I'm really in a bad place at the minute like I can't I can't do it so mm. to not have your shit together and be trying to promote wellness and <laughs> all that stuff <laughs> this is where I have to kind of walk the walk and talk the talk do I want to be someone who pretends to have it all together all the time or am I going to just show people like this is real life mm. you know i may be the person who's on the other end of the class i may be the one that's guide but i have my own stuff and and the the imposter syndrome after pat's uh, podcast renee brown one of my pals i cried for five hours the next day i sobbed i said what have you done to yourself jen like you're just absolutely actually ruining your whole career like you went on one of the biggest platforms like he he's really well known I have no clue what came, if it was going to do well or not. And I was like, everyone's going to laugh at you. You've, you've, it's okay being like on a little small class with your, with your couple of people. And if you fuck up, like it's not, no one's going to know, only for the few people in your class. But everybody's going to know this one now, Jen, you know. And I was crippled the next day. Five hours I cried and I mean, friends sent me the Brene Brown podcast about vulnerability. And she spoke about about that, about being vulnerable and, and putting yourself out there. And what the emotional hangover that comes that comes with it. That's the part that gets me. And I struggle with that still sometimes. And I think the more I walk through it and the more I am honest and I just believe in being transparent, that's where my confidence comes from. Every time there was a lockdown we did the Monday mindset with my class and uh, I remember that the, the one where I was really struggling and there was a new lockdown and the messages were flying in like Jen are we doing the mindset like help us like we you know I just get inundated with messages from people and I was like shit like they're, they need like they they need the tool they're, they're looking for and I had to tell everyone on the first day like I am struggling so if you want to show up here with me and we get through this together, like we'll we'll do it together. Like I need you as much as you need mm-hmm. me at the minute. And I said, and sometimes I'm going to be sitting here and if you see me struggling to find the word, I'm going to tell you like that's the PTSD. That's that's what's happening to me. I am just, my brain is trying to protect me. It thinks I'm in, I'm being attacked here. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I, if I am trying to speak and I struggle a little bit, that's all that's happening to me. Give me a few seconds. Give me a minute to find my feet and, and, and I'll come back over. And it was probably one of the greatest things I've ever done. Because I'm sitting here now with you talking, you know. And even though I'm getting nervous and I'm getting anxious and I, and I can feel it happening to me again. It's okay. 
Yeah. It's all right, you know, I'm, I'm safe. That's, that is, that's a big difference between letting that anxiety or that PTSD cripple you compared to getting a crutch, whatever that crutch may be, yeah. and, and going through it. Because um, I have had, now I understand people can be really sick and not make it to class, and that's fair enough. But I, I, don't, I think I've missed like one class since I've started yeah. teaching. And I'm just lucky that I have generally very good health. Like I'm very mm-hmm. rarely sick, properly sick. But it's more so when I'm not, um, you know, because I've got a baby and I haven't slept well, I, I feel like um, you've you got to deliver it anyway. Yeah. And even though I will occasion, occasionally say like, oh, I've hurt my shoulder or I'm not, I didn't sleep last night, I'll say it and then I'll just try to crack on as opposed yeah. to, dwelling on it and let it or not showing up for the class at all hmm. and i think there's the, as much as it sounds um like uh i don't know how it sounds but people do do, <clears throat> do look to you and maybe look to me to some degree and uh want to say like if this person can do it i can do it you yeah because i used to think like i'm not flexible not very strong mm. uh i can't put my leg behind my head do any cool stuff really um so what like what have I got to sell basically because yeah. it's I've seen it as all physical thing but what what you're selling for want of a better word is that connection that um you you can try and you can have a bit of humor when you do it as well this is another thing Jen is like when I met when I first got to know you in the yoga studio um and you came to the class you were like always kind of bit, having a bit of crack you'd be chatting to the person next to you and that's really unusual most people come no that's I <laughs> No, it's but that's good though. you said that because I was like... We're not a church, for God's sake, you know? Like, for God's sake. Sorry, God. But, you know, that's what I used to really dislike at the start on yoga. It's like, everyone's so serious in there. Everyone yeah. thinks they're like... Um, I'm rocking in. All right, uh, what's up? <laughs> exactly. Me. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I get why some people, it's their chance to be alone yeah. and honest, though, and I respect that. Mm. But w- w- what I used to kind of... There was a disconnect when the teacher would be really serious and yeah. like any because i started with bitcram you see mm. so uh they were all serious with that that was my experience anyway but that's what i found so different about you is you, you um it was the accent and also the fact that <laughs> <laughs> sorry but and I, know, I, I, I love it though I'm i glad, love it i'm glad you said this i love the accent is, by the this way this is good yeah i'm glad that <laughs> this is great that this is coming up i'm glad you noticed it that's very good like well well done do you want some more tea please yeah yeah um yeah but also humor oh shit humor um how did, what's like your classes like? Do you have a bit of crack and stuff? Oh, like Kev, I swear to God. So we, <laughs> <laughs> classes are mad. Uh, I don't even know how to explain it. So when that experience that I had going to them big studios, I knew that I just felt so uncomfortable and I felt this is not my vibe. These are not my people and that's okay. Mm. We all have our people and we know who we can just let our guard down and be ourselves with. Mm. And I was like, the journey, the experience, the practices are, are for me. This is just not the environment that I'm going to be able to reach people in. This is not for me. I'm sitting on the mat and I'm looking around for someone to talk to. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm getting the evil eyes and, and all that stuff. And that's fine. That's perfectly fine. So off I went and uh, I was like, that every, there's going to be people like me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> There's going to be people like me who are just running out of the gaff and waiting for kids. <laughs> Can't wait to tell everyone that they're either leaving the gaff and the kids. And if, <laughs> so I had a stu- I have a studio in Fingers. It's closed at the minute. I rent a room in the next door to Clash to Eden. And it's yoga. And 
if you walk down the corridor, it's like a corridor into the class. If you walk down that corridor, like people do stop and look in and all. For the 10 minutes before that class starts, the banter is flying. The <laughs> stick is flying. Don't, like, you can't come to my class and I'm be sensitive because, like, I get the most stick. The lads take the absolute piss rip out of me. Like, mm-hmm. and, but what I will say is the minute that class starts, they are focused. Mm. They are there. They know why they're there. And they don't want, uh, you know, they're, they're there to get the benefits of it. But it's so laid back. Like, everyone would say that's probably what they love is it's just so laid back. Mm-hmm. And that's the environment that I wanted to create. Mm. And I can I can have the laugh and I can have the crack, but I can also crack the whip as well when it needs to be. Yeah. So be a balance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think there's a connection between that of, of like, if you can laugh with someone and and, yeah. and f- take the piss out of them, they, they take the piss out of you. Yeah. That's recept- reci- uh, what's the word? You can do that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it shows that 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 trust. That mm. And because I know, like last night, I played football for the first time in a long time, and um, you know, you say about like finding your people. Yeah. Like, I I grew up with like um, a big bunch of people, and we knew each other all our life, and we still know each other pretty well now. And I really miss that gen. Like yeah. I feel, I kind of feel it a bit lost, but. Like when I go to football, mm. everyone's taking a piss out of each other. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I noticed because the guy who introduced me is actually Rachel's uncle, um, so therefore I had a bit of an in already. You yeah. know, I wasn't completely uh, on, on my own. own. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So he would take the piss out of me. Other the lads would take the piss out of me, but I'd give it back. And but and once they mock you and you mock them back, they kind of give you that look of like, oh, you're alright. You're alright. You can yeah. take it. Yeah, you can you take, take it a little it. bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but. And you mentioned and that's where the gone. trust is built. Sorry, exactly. go, on, go ahead. No, absolutely. And you mentioned about sensitivity. You see, what uh, the seriousness of yoga initially put me off, mm. right? But what I find has become even more prevalent than anything else is the sensitivity around yoga. As in, um, I, I f- now not in my classes, yeah. Because I I started off <laughs> like this. And raise your arms up and raise your yeah, arms down. Yeah, and yeah. Fl- like I, sp- I spoke like that. Mm. I never like. The I don't voice, know where this voice came from. The voice. <laughs> exactly. Oh. I, try to, I try to make it more effeminate for a start. Yeah. And a yeah. bit like cleaner and softer. Yeah. And everything's breathy. Yeah. And, um, and then I thought, this is weird. I feel weird doing this. So now I kind of speak like I'm speaking now. But my point is, Jen, is that like uh, in my classes, I maybe it's just paranoia, but I feel like... Um, I could say some things that might offend someone, mm. you know, like last week I was talking about um, the hips and, and I made a reference to, um, what did I make a reference to? Sound like sexual, you know, like saying English fellas don't know how to use their hips and French fellas do or something like that. But I was thinking on the other end of the, the camera, you know, on Zoom, someone could get uh, offended by that or whatever. Yeah. But I think that, um, um, you know, the, 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 the fact that we spend so much time online now sense people are, are becoming a lot more sensitive yeah. or am i just making that up is that my no it is a lot more sensitive online yeah but it's almost like you're better off to be ultra sensitive than the other way because that way you you're not going to offend anyone ever but i think especially if you, oh, want you can't be... live your life like that <laughs> oh my god uh, imagine funny, that if you want to be funny if you yeah. I, I like to have a laugh and yeah. that's can only live once you want dead tomorrow i like to have a laugh whenever you try and have a bit of a laugh you know uh, you're going to risk maybe yeah. offending someone 
Um, do, do you know what I'm saying, or am I going no, off on no, a weird one here? No, no, I hear you. I hear you. But I think everybody, it, it's kind of the tone that you set. You know, and if you're being your true, authentic self, people who are looking for that will gravitate to you. Mm. And if we try and please everyone, like I always, people always say to me, like, you don't do the voice. <laughs> and they're like, she's just like us. And that's that's uh, the thing. And one of the girls actually, she only said there last week, because um, she said, Jen, when you, she goes, I was only saying it, when you talk, you talk like you're standing in the flats. <laughs> And you're still, t- like, you, you know, there's no change. It doesn't matter who's in front of me. You could be the bleeding, the CEO of some big company, or you could be a single man from the flats trying your best. To me, we're all equal. Yeah. So I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to you the, the exact same, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. There's, I just, I just, I just see, just be yourself. That's so funny that you don't need, you don't need the voice. I, the I, voice. I, I've had that said loads of times. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, you don't do the voice. But I, I, um, from my outside, like looking at your ascension over the last six months in particular, uh, and the, the way you create these communities with the Mindful Mo- Mindset Mondays and the Soul Sundays and the Sea Swims and the Cacao, all of this stuff is about community. Whereas yeah. a lot of Instagram, and I do this, is about how cool can I look? how difficult poses can yeah. I do and I do that uh, uh, to a degree definitely um so you're you're creating this this community around around you uh, not necessarily to, to like with you right mm. but I think one of the big appeals this is my p- perspective of you is that you and I've listened to you before talk about this you'll have a difficult upbringing right mm. but you refuse to be a victim yeah to, yeah th- this is like because and it's not to see with this conversation it's not to belittle people who have suffered and everyone's experienced trauma to different degrees mm. but i feel like not all trauma is the same you know no, some people say not. i have trauma because i don't know they were crossing the road or something and i know it's all like yeah. subjective but um my point is jen um you you're like you're so i would say a survivor does that sound a bit extreme you you're not a victim you don't no, come across that way not a victim no and um this is great that this is coming up. This is kind of like everything about me whole mindset of the the message that I'm trying to give out. Like this is a great uh, conversation for me. Um, I'm not a victim, and I think what that means for me is I no longer sit in me shit, and I no longer think of oh, poor me. Like I have. My background in my recovery process, my emotional recovery process. I always say that, like, if people say, like, I'm in recovery, I'm emotionally recovering, you know, and I've a lot of 12 step practice behind me. And one thing I learned was that victims don't recover, you know, and John Lally always robs me saying, I'm like, John, I'm gonna uh, trademark that <laughs> yeah. quote. I'm gonna, he's always taking me, quote, victims don't recover. <laughs> and sometimes that can be hard to hear. And sometimes people be like, oh my God, what, what, who's, you can't say that. But that sentence saved my life because I was immersed in my own self-pity and my own pain. And when a woman sat down in front of me and had enough love, she had enough love to tell me like, Jen, victims don't recover. And I asked, at the start, my ego was like, who does she think, how, 
what the neck of her? She's saying that to me. Like, I'm not fucking coming back here for this. And it was the greatest thing that she could have said because I need to hear the truth, you know? And I always say, truth without love is brutality. Mm. She said it to me with love. She wanted me to get better. She wanted me to be able to break that cycle with my daughter. Mia was two, and I used to go to this woman every week for guidance. And had had I not learned that, yeah, shit has happened to me, and it's been fucking horrific. Like, had I not learned that I can come out of this, my daughter would go down the same road as where I went, you know? So victims don't recover to me means that as long as I keep reliving the past and regurgitating, he did this, he did that. She said, I was never going to be free. Mm. I was never going to be free. My heart was broken. It was shattered. Like I, like, I just had no connection. I had a baby who I couldn't feel at and for. It's very hard to say that as a parent. Like, you have your little baby, and I guarantee you now, when you squeeze her, you feel that love. My Mia was three, near two and a half before I felt that. Um, she's been with me since day one. Uh, I did everything by the book, like from seven in the morning till seven at night. Like, they were her times. Like, she's awake from seven, goes to bed at seven. The perfect routine, spotless child was l- like. I, I did what I was supposed to do because I knew it was the right thing to do, but I couldn't feel it. Couldn't feel anything, mm. you know. And to as a as a as a young girl, you couldn't tell anyone that. How am I supposed to turn around and say I don't I don't love my child? Like what? What the hell? And it wasn't that I didn't love her, because I I remember thinking, if I tell the hospital how I feel, like will they? And I was like, I remember sitting in the car one day and she was only a little baby. And I was like, if I just ring the comb and say, um, excuse me, uh, could you take her back for a few weeks just till I figure out, this is where my head was at, just till I figure out uh, what, what I'm doing because I don't really know what I'm doing here. And I remember saying, if you tell anyone that, they're going to take her and they're not going to give her back to you. So I knew I loved her in that way. I was afraid of losing her. But my heart had no emotional feeling. There was no joy in my life. And that's why that woman said to me what she said, because she knew I needed to find that spiritual connection again. Mm. And I used to say to her, like, I'm, I'm really struggling. And she used to say, put her in the bed with you and just put your hand on her. And I used to put me in the bed beside me and I'd let me hand just sit on her back and just feel and just leave me hand. She'd be fast asleep and just let me hand rest on her. And it was like I was trying so hard, you know. And I do good night, baby girl. I love you to the moon. And she said, I love you, mommy. Love you to the moon. And she's back in her own room and all that stuff. And I remember one night she said, Mommy, love you to the moon. And she's only a little tiny little thing with little blonde curly hair. And I closed the bedroom door. And I remember standing Kevin on the landing. Very, very similar to where we are now. And my heart exploded. I didn't know what was happening to me. I'd never, ever felt... See, I'd never felt love before. I didn't know what it was. So if you are growing up through your life without without understanding what was love, you don't know. Does that make sense? Mm. It's probably very, very confusing. Uh, I felt this... Like, I physically felt a thump in my chest. My heart had opened. My heart chakra had just blew open. And what what made that happen was when she said it to me, I remember this voice from somewhere else, not my own negative thinking. Another voice said, she means that. She means that. 
and what I had done, gosh, it's sorry, uh, I didn't think we were going to talk about this today. Okay. <sighs> um, what I had done in those two and a half years of her being a little baby is I had built a trusting relationship with her because in previous experiences, everybody left. Every time I, I let me heart, I let me guard down, they would leave. So I think now in hindsight, looking back, I was terrified of letting this love in because what if it goes again, you know? And, uh, oh shit, <laughs> sorry. Uh, okay. Use no, it's all. Do you know? It's all. It's 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 all good. It. I just. Yeah. It, it's just bringing me back. I remember. I remember what it was like. And uh, I trusted her. Mm. It, you know. And that had to happen in me psyche. Yeah. Before it happened in me heart. Some. You know. The connection had to. I had to come from my mind to me heart. And that was the little journey that the two of us were on. To get to that stage where you were able to hear Mia say, mm -hmm. "I love you," and you trusted her. What did, what, how were you like coached? Did they use cognitive behavioral therapy or anything like no, this? No, so this was all around 12 step walk. Yeah. This was what happened. Uh, this is where I learned the community. This is where I learned about building that community. But what, what I had started to do for the first time in my life was look at myself and my actions and my behaviors. And yeah. unfortunately, the world didn't revolve around me. You know, and that was like the biggest shock of my life to be told that the world doesn't revolve around you. And yeah, people had hurt me, but I had hurt people as well. Mm. I had caused carnage, Kevin. I had my parents' emotional hostages, you know, mm. un unknowns to me. But if you'd have asked me back then, I'd have told you, like, see me, ma, see her. Is that she did this. And it was just mm. this outpouring of blame on everyone. And when I put the plug in that blame and I started to go within, I started to look within, that's when spiritually I started to change. And I started to have that awareness now of myself rather than the external stuff. That's heavy. Isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> no, but that, what you said about, yeah. um, the, the two actually tying together about, um, victims don't recover mm. and also blaming other people and not knowing that you could actually are capable of hurting other people yeah. as well and we are capable of hurting other people i caused some damage kevin jesus i caused some some carnage in in my days mm. and even in relationships that were even in relationships that were uh, violent i'll say and toxic and sometimes i'd be afraid to say this because it's like Yeah, domestic violence is is horrific, but the only way I was able to break that cycle, Kevin, was was for me to finally admit that I had toxic traits that were keeping me in the the this regurgitating circles because every relationship was the same, mm. you know. So I had to step back and and look at my toxic traits or my unhealthy traits, and I am an enabler. Like I will swoop in and mind and care and all that stuff and unfortunately that them them character characteristics that i have led me into awful situations that no girl should ever have to go in and i had to stop and and look and and look at myself and 
be like, well, I don't want to experience this again. I don't want to attract someone like that again. So what is it in me that is attracted to a certain type of individual? And what is it about me that's drawn this stuff into me life? Because I'm going through life and I feel like this is all I'm attracting. And that's when I started to learn about your vibration and your frequency. And, you know, I started to see that it's energy, you know, and, and as long as I'm on that same energy and wavelength, that's what I'm going to keep attracting into my life. That topic of domestic abuse. Yeah. Um, just taking that as a case study, like, obviously, if we're just, let's say, domestic abuse, men against women, let's say, yeah. because I know it goes the other way too. But let's say men against women. We should be trying to bring up men with more compassion, with more yeah. empathy, um, that's that should be done constantly and that's how you raise your, your kids and how uh, we know when you see another lad talk about a girl a certain way are you yeah. going to um go along with it or are you going to say no that's not right so that we need to do that right yeah definitely but what you've brought up is a contentious issue and, and uh, is that you realize patterns in yourself as you said that we're enabling that yeah whereas if you didn't do that we can do all we want to make to try and make sure the fellas yeah. behave but if you don't do that for yourself and take um, some ownership, ownership that's yeah. it, take some ownership, then you might get caught up in, there, in that. Because no matter how much in this case study, in this case, we want to let every man be like an angel and whatever, yeah. there are going to be rogues and they're going to be rogues for women as mm. well. All right. Um, so as long as there are, we need to make sure that we're not women, that becomes your partner, that you can spot the signs and you can get out yeah. as opposed to. Because we're not going to live in utopia and it, or everyone's going to be perfect. Um, I see now that yeah. I, tr I, don't look at, at, I don't look at people anymore with labels. So I don't look at people as in like man, woman, mm. boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. I, and this is, this is just where I'm at. I look at people as teachers. So we're all teachers and having done the healing work that I've done on myself and I you know what what helped me not to go back into that cycle is I started to look at I started to change the, the rhetoric of instead of saying why me you know why is this happening to me I started saying what is this trying to teach me mm. because if the same if the same situation keeps coming into your life the universe has a big neon sign and it's like <laughs> look Jen we're gonna go down this rabbit hole again or are you ready to, to, to look at this? And a lot of the times, uh, my teachers or the experiences are trying to show me a different way. And I'm just afraid, Kev. I'm afraid of the unknown. And I can go back into, for me, I can go into painful situations because it's familiar. I know how to survive in the pain. It's it, it, In a weird way, I can, I can survive in a lot of pain. But put me out here on my own. I don't know what I'm doing don't know I, I can't cope I can't cope on my own and I used to have this kind of mindset of and it's, it's very it breaks me hard to look back at Jen like that you know do whatever you want to me but just don't leave me because the, the pain of what I was in the pain of being alone was a lot worse so and I know Fucking hell, Jen. that's that's that <laughs> that's that's where that's the part that was trapping me for me that's the part that was trapping me in difficult situations you know just don't leave me 
I'll take whatever shit is gonna life's gonna try at me, but don't don't let me don't leave me on my own because I couldn't cope with that. And then back to what you said at the start about taking drugs and you know I'm me taking drugs and drinking excessively at a stage in my life that saved me in a way because they were my coping mechanisms. They kept me alive, you know. Had I not had substances or somewhere to escape, I couldn't sit with what with what was going on inside. But like everything has a boomerang effect and it will come back. Oh, sorry. It will come back and it will take you by the knees. So you'll only get so long out of that. Mm. But for a certain amount of time, things that I used to escape kept me they kept me safe in an unsafe environment, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's very hard. It's very hard to... I yeah. hope I'm trying to explain it correctly. You are, you are. Um, <laughs> sorry. I, I'm just what you said, like, you can do what you want to me, just don't leave me. Yeah. That's like... Um, it's not okay. a great place to be in. No. no, but this is this is the what I mentioned earlier about not wanting to be the outcast, not wanting to be alone. Mm. Um, you know, if you want to punish someone badly, if they've murdered million, not a, a lot of people, you put them in solitary confinement yeah. on their own. That's the it's worst punishment, thing. isn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, I mean, this, we're saying this after obviously biggest lockdown in Europe, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it's punishment, and um, therefore something is is better than nothing, or someone yeah. something is better than nothing. But it's meeting a need. Fucking hell, that's it's just ma- made me think. Like this is I'm supposed to be asking you questions here, but it's just made me think about oh, okay, yeah. my my relationships, and yeah. um, <laughs> so it's it's sometimes yeah. it can be you can kind of look back and be like, wow. Yeah, you know you. You can be. You can like, see it in your face. Yeah, you always say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you kind of you want to blame someone else yeah. and blame the other person and mm. be like, oh, it was you know what's wrong with me. But then, if you don't, if I didn't change my habits, I wouldn't be with Rachel now. I wouldn't have a baby yeah. now. Um, and this is, I'll just say this. Um, I used to have a real problem sharing a bed with a woman, mm. like um, not as opposed to a man, but just sharing a bed with someone else. Like I would be in bed and I'd like um, want in my own space and yeah. put my. And this sounds like a small thing, but that call, that call makes the woman feel like she's not wanted. You know, to have that the cold shoulder. It's very the hard. Cold shoulder, it's yeah. very hard to be on the receiving end of that. Yeah, and it's without so- communicating what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I was so used to being on my own for so long. Intimacy is very hard. Mm. Very hard. It's like having sex is kind of sometimes easier when I was younger than the intimacy. Yeah. Like holding someone's hand, I used to struggle with that. Yeah. Holding someone's hand down the street, yeah. like I'd be like, this feels too much. <laughs> but yet and you can have sex it's, and it's, it's back to that it's back to the trust it's yeah. back to the fear you know it's like that relationship with me and Mia at the start um, the, the building that trust with her you know and she would you know when a little two year old sees their mammy clapping from school what does she do the first thing they do is run wrap their arms around you and want to kiss the face off you mammy mammy like you know and sometimes Kevin it's very fucking hard to say sometimes I would turn my head when she went to kiss me and I, I kissed my cheek. No, it was a reaction, like a reflex. And that was a testament to how I felt about myself. I was not nothing on her. She was the most beautiful, as happy as little kid. That was a shame that I carried. And I felt like an x-ray. I felt like she could see right through me. So transparent, she knows. You know, and I'd, and I'd, and I'd, and I'd get flashbacks and I'd hide from her. And it just, it's just there, yeah. Sorry, I'm just, I can just see it now. I can just, mm. I just feel it. But yeah, 
it's just like what you're saying about the intimacy and that's the one thing I struggled with was being intimate mm. with anybody because mm. I never had it never had it didn't trust it didn't know anything about it didn't want it but yeah I would go out like what you said I can go out and I can have sex and I can do stuff because no feeling to it mm. I know he's gonna live oh shit does that make sense yeah yeah it does but was it when he when he wants to stay oh things get different I start panicking yeah. <laughs> You know, when someone wants to stay, it's it's different. Fucking hell. I remember when I was young. This is this is something I never told anyone this, but this is um, when I was well, no, I say young. I was in my mid twenties. Yeah. But I was late start when it came to the, the women, and um, uh, I went out with this girl for like a month, maybe six weeks. Yeah. And she didn't want to go out with me anymore. She was like, "Call me up." No, I'm not really feeling this. Yeah. Jen, I this is so embarrassing. <laughs> I paid for a course, right? And it was yeah. like howtowinherback.com or something oh like that. Oh, God, me heart. So sad. So sad, right? This is so <laughs> pathetic. I mean, uh, just, and oh, I, I was like, heartache. and you know what the, the first question they ask you, this is like, this is, Jen, this is after dating for six weeks. This yeah. is pathetic. Oh. But it's no, like, it's not coming it's like, more. They're like, <laughs> they're like <laughs> that's it, mild. They said like, uh, first things first, before you even pay for this course, mm. if she doesn't want you, don't pay for this course. But if she's angry at you, then it's worth paying for right, this course. Because okay. if she's angry angry at you, she feels something yeah. and you can win her over. But if she feels nothing for you, <laughs> turns out she felt nothing for me because paying for the course, I tried all the tricks that I was, they're like, text this at this yeah, time. I was like, yeah, I yeah. like, they gave you templates to text. Oh, God. Hey, your babe. And, all stuff. and it was all American language. I was like, hey, your babe. I've never said babe before. And uh, and uh, yeah, it didn't work. But, but the point is like, it, I would go out with someone for a few weeks and they'd mm. break up with me because I'd be... Because when I'd meet someone, I'd absolutely um, overwhelm them with affection mm. uh, initially, right? Um, not not public affection. Though. I know that sounds weird, but and they do that, and then and then um, and then I oh, it, it puts stuff. it puts women off a lot. They get off. <laughs> we don't like the needy. And then I try and play a call after that, and it's too late, you know. Uh, but yeah, so um, no, uh, it's it's. Um, like uh it, how you feel about yourself though is is i think i'm sure if a, a psychologist sat me down like who it maybe some sigmund Freud stuff would say like about my relationship with my mum or so i don't know because yeah. i'm a bit of a like, i really love my mum and i don't know how that affects my relationship with women or did but anyway sorry this is not a counseling session uh, by the way do you do you still go to have, have a therapist or a sponsor do you still have yeah um so norian is me uh counselor we do cbt <laughs> I've been doing CBT for years. That was a game changer. See, yeah. the one thing that kept me in that, that the one thing I believe that kind of caused me more harm than good was counselling. The, the, the type of counselling that my key worker sent me to. We used to go over these sessions every week and all I would have to do was keep regurgitating everything that happened. Like from, from it was like a life story every time I went in. So every time I left, I was like, I'm going to the office. I need a drink. I, this is too much. <laughs> and... I remember the counsellor said to me one day, like, something bad happened to you. And I don't think it was sexual, but something bad happened to you. So for the next two, three years, four years, I was like blackout drinking, trying to figure out, was it this time? Was it that time? It consumed, like, I'd be on the bus, I'd be driving, consumed in my mind, like, what was it? Let's pinpoint what, what was the root of why I'm like this. And it was nothing got to do with that. So it was only when I found CBT and Enda Kenny, uh, not in the case, Jay-Z's beating, kill me if he hears me saying that. 
uh, that's the Taoiseach, isn't it? Yeah, uh, well, for me, yeah. For me, Taoiseach, not M- Mayor Man. Kenny. Oh, God, he's going to kill me. And the Morphy. He's like, Jen, I'm going to kill you. He, <laughs> so I was in college. I went to college to study uh, counselling and addiction studies to try and figure out what the hell was wrong with me. This is, what, this is, how, this is how mad I am. I'd be just looking for answers all the time. And uh, ended up doing CBT modules. And the counsellor, uh, the the tutor, Enda Murphy, is one of the country's leading CBT specialists. Oh, really? Oh, unbelievable. And hmm. he specific, he specifies in eating disorders with women. And it was amazing. We are the best of friends. Like, he became my tutor. He became my therapist. Like, so I, I practiced CBT for so many years, trained in it, practiced it. And then, uh, when did I go to London? About maybe a couple of years ago. Two years ago, when I moved, I got a new apartment. And when I moved, um, it was all kind of around the time I started teaching and my confidence was knocked. And I went to see Noreen. And the work that I did with her over the last two years has probably been the most profound inner work that I've done because now I am on a different footing. Absolute different footing. And if I have, if I feel like I'm getting wobbled again, if I feel like I'm... I can become dependent on the counsellor. Like, I'll just keep going. <laughs> I'll just keep going because I get a safety feeling from it. And I remember she said to me, uh, Jen, um, now, you know, we've got two sessions left. And <gasps> straight away, like, my stomach was like, oh, she's re- d- rejection. D- d- you know that? And I was like, no, Jen, this is a good thing. Now we need to cut the tyres. And she has to, you know what I mean? I have to, has to let me stand on my own two feet. And, and I said to her, I'm, I'm panicking a little bit. But I, she said, no. She said, Jen, you're ready. There's nothing else there's not a stone on your life that you haven't uncovered. Mm. She said, you know these tools inside out and backwards. She said, the only thing that ever happens to you is you get a little bit spun, you'll panic. I put my pen down, I stopped doing my little journaling, I stopped doing my to-do lists and all that stuff. She says, all that happens to you is you just need someone to, to say, you're grand. So a little bit of a reassurance. Mm. She said, so at any time, if you feel like you're getting a little bit overwhelmed, pick up the phone. She's like, I, I'm here. Yeah. So, uh, when did I talk to her last? January. Checked in with her, all good, all good. And she's like, I know you're all right. Like, mm. I can hear it in you. You're grand. Now, if that happens down the line, she'll be the first person I go back to. Mm. You, know, you know she's there, phone call away. Oh, absolutely love mm. CBT. I love what it's done for my mind. I love now that I can bring that into all my practices. I bring it through all my all my mindset, and that's where uh, Noreen, the work I did with Noreen is where the Monday mindset came about. Oh. Because when I went back to her in an awful state, the first thing she said to me was, "You put the pen down again, Jen, didn't you?" And I was like, "I did. Yeah. Put the fucking pen down." And now look at the, look at the mess I'm in again. And for me, someone with the type of mind that I have, I just need to be organized, Kev. <laughs> when I'm organized, yeah. things are okay. When I'm not organised, I don't know me left from me right. I'm leaving the shopping in the shopping centre and walk. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? The, the bread is going in the fridge. The milk is in the bin. That's the way my head goes when I'm not organised. And uh, I so the Monday mindset came about. Is I was like, well, if I'm feeling like this, who else is struggling like this? Throw on the PTSD as well. The brain fog from the COVID was horrendous for everyone. So... And the, the Monday mindset came about then. I developed this little format for myself with the stuff I'd learned with the CBT, with the 12-step stuff that I'd learned that 
I kind of live that anyways. That's part of me, 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 me DNA now, you know. I'll always live by spiritual principles. And it works for me. And I was like, well, if it works for me, I'm fucking stone mad on the best of days. Like, who, <laughs> who else is this so simple, you know? And it just took off. It has just blown up. It's amazing. Like, C CBT. Cognitive behavioral benefit. therapy, yeah. And that's a um, Murphy. And the Murphy. Yeah. I'm going to check him out because I, I think I may have heard of him before. Yeah, he, has the, he has a lot of books. He would do a lot of work with Dr. Harry Berry. Dr. Harry Berry is the country's leading specialist on depression and mental health. And they both specifically work with a lot of youths as well. Mm. Two amazing men. And I actually uh, did a bit of work with Dr. Harry Berry as well. I was going to him. And I remember him just, he's like, Jen, I'll just tell you the truth. Like that relationship that you're in. You're never gonna get better, <laughs> you know. Mm. It, it's 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 not good, and I'm very good at taking direction. I want to yeah. I want to be better, Kev. You know, I want to I want to be the best version of myself. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Mm. I think life has ground me into the ground. Like I submit. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I submit. Okay, okay. I'm willing to learn, and that's. I think the best thing that I ever ever had from all the experiences, the the violence and the abuse and everything. What I got from that is the gift of desperation. And if I didn't have that gift of desperation, I wouldn't be here today. And you're looking at me there in shock, like, what is she on about now? But to me, that gift of desperation took me off my knees and stood me on my feet. And it's like, right, what do I need to do? I became the most disciplined person in the world. Uh, my friends, they say the consistency, Jen, like you're just consistent. Yeah. And I'm like, because I know. Yeah. I know what happens when I'm not. I know what, what, what way I go when I'm not. Say that phrase one more time. The, the what of desperation? The, the gift. The gift of desperation. The gift of desperation. You drop, you drop some bombs here. <laughs> some serious <laughs> philosophy bombs. Yeah. Um, the gift of desperation. It's like... When you're willing, Kev, when you're willing to go to any length, like what they'll ask you in any recovery, like how willing are you to get better? You're gonna waste me time here. Are you gonna you're gonna step up and, and walk the walk and I I I wanna I wanna walk the walk and not just talk it. Mm. I wanna be happy. I don't wanna be suffering anymore and pain going around. Yeah, you're definitely walking the walk. I'm trying, trying my best. You are. You've uh... I think it just becomes part of you now doesn't it like mm. just becomes part of of you mm. it's that stage initially of the imposter syndrome and then when you have as you mentioned earlier people giving you saying nice things giving you feedback mm. you start to believe in yourself more yeah. and then it's second nature and then suddenly you are that person yeah and yeah it will creep in the imposter syndrome here and there what does it say what's that saying it takes a it takes a, a, a village to build a man is it a village to raise a child. It takes a village, mm -hmm. and and that's what what we create here in mm -hmm. our in our communities, our, our little villages, you know. I know I'm out sea swimming, and your heart does be just full when I'm out there at the sea, and it's, you know you just get to. There's a whole other community there. Yeah. You know. No, it's, it's really refreshing. I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a fan of yours. Um, so Jen, that's um that's our hour. As you know, the baby and the dog will be back we'll soon. We'll be back now in a minute. And barking, <laughs> whatever else. So um, yeah, if people want to find you, where do they go? Oh yeah, um, Yin Yoga Jen. That's me, social media, me Instagram page. Yeah, and you got a website. 
check yeah, it out. I have I have a website, but I've not been near it. I'm hoping. Oh well, I can say this now. I am studying the coaching with neuroscience, and I will be qualified now in August. So I will be launching my website and me coaching me because that's everyone always says like, Jen, can I book in for a one to one session? And I've worked 10, 11 years in mental health. I've 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 I know the stuff inside out. And I just think me me coaching now is just kind of kind of bring it all together, mm-hmm. and me confidence then to to go out on my own walking one one because it's all right when you're in walking in services you have a team and you have a manager and a line manager and you have you know you have your team behind you so building myself and me confidence to go out now and step on me own is in the next step. So September, keep a lookout. I'm looking. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to following your ascension. So yeah, thanks so much. That was brilliant.